I had the pleasure of doing a music video with my friend, uh, something. And we filmed that earlier this year, like on the beach in my homeland of County Louth. The song is called Contact, which is about like the, the kind of like frustration of the desire for like human contact during the past year um, and lockdown and whatnot. So it's about that, but uh, via the medium of pole dancing. <laughs> so um, I'm in short, I'm pole dancing on a beach and like my favorite bit is like, it's me walking on the sand, but I'm wearing like my ridiculous stripper heels. So it's kind of like I'm falling all over the place and that was what I wanted it to have that kind of like ah like the struggle and the kind of like dogged determination to strive forward and like create art and do stuff and then this yoga class rocked up like in the middle of filming which was just it was kind of hilarious and then like turn down that music Welcome to Paul the Other One. I'm your host and consistent misinterpreter of Maypole dancing, Shandoxy. In this episode, I'm talking to the very first Miss Pole Dance Ireland, multiple competition winning, and Miss Burlesque Ireland 2016, Arlene Caffrey, who has over 15 years of skin in the pole dancing game and is the heart, soul, and managing director of Dublin's Irish Pole Dance Academy. I was so excited to record this episode because for me, finding the IPDA over Zoom in lockdown and taking a class with Arlene was absolutely game-changing. She is the undisputed queen of sexistential dread and so supportive of other people's creativity in pole dancing, especially people who are a bit weird or have the music taste of a depressed teenage boy. She's also just excellent crack and this was such a fun chat to record. I hope you enjoy it. If you're loving the podcast and would like to help me keep making it, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash shandoxy. You can leave us a tip by buying the pot of coffee, or you can share the love by giving us a shout out on social media. Thank you. We love it. For now, here's Arlene. Arlene Caffrey, you are a woman of many talents, but let's start at the very beginning and with Paul. What was it that made you want to be a dancer? I guess I never set out to be a dancer like that was never really on my radar um I was at art college I studied graphic design and I suppose like yeah being perfectly honest I've always been one of those people who you know I like to be different just for the sake of being different like from as young as I can remember so like even when the Spice Girls were a thing everybody's favorite was you know baby spice or ginger spice um, but like nobody's favorite Spice Girl was Scary Spice. Mm. Probably there's probably many reasons why, and especially living in like a white Irish, you know, rural society, 
Mm. Um, but I was like, yeah, no, she's my favorite because nobody else likes her. And <laughs> I think it was the leopard print as well. Like that's where my love of leopard print um, started. I firmly believe that and like platform shoes as well. Yeah, she was more just badass. I felt like I liked that she was really like, you know, yeah, like scary and a bit weird and being herself rather than maybe being sweet and sugary or whatnot. Of mm. course, all the Spice Girls are valid. They're all valid. <laughs> <laughs> and I love them all. So yeah, like I've always just kind of been a bit like that, like just wanting to be different just just because, you know, um, you just got to be different to everybody else. Mm. So yeah, I think when pole fitness, as it was called back then, became a thing, I was doing some yoga classes to help manage my stress levels and whatnot. Um, and just to try to like do some kind of exercise. I was really shit at it. Like I've never been sporty or dancey at all, especially growing up in rural Ireland. Like you, you can do Irish dancing mm-hmm. or you can do GAA, which is like the, the Gaelic sport. So like Gaelic football or camogie or hurling. Like right. those are your options. You don't really have ballet classes exactly. Like it's just not culturally a thing here, mm. especially in like the rural parts, um, just for lack of facilities. So yeah, it just never really was an option growing up. So when my yoga teacher said she was going to be offering pole fitness classes um, and like, and who would be interested to join and so on, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And um, I guess at that time as well, it was 2006. So we had films like, you know, Sin City was my favorite film mm. and Kate Moss dancing in that White Stripes music video. Like you, we, all of these kind of pop culture images of pole dancing were like already circulating or like even just like sex workers being badass and cool and I was like yeah I want to be like that I want to like be moving in slow motion with my hair like blowing in the breeze and like having this like you know banging bod and yeah just being like really like free and wild and sexual um really appeals to me because I didn't feel like I was any of those things yeah I guess from those early pole fitness classes I was already like hooked with the um with the dancing itself Um, even though it wasn't marketed as dancing by any means but I could see myself like going somewhere with it and like I could already see myself like in my head choreographing like little routines and performing on stages and yeah I guess I just had that vision of like yeah this is something that I want to to do and like to perform on a stage would be pretty freaking awesome. So you said it was called pole fitness rather than pole dance back then. So when you were taking these classes, was there any choreography involved or was it more tricks and sports stuff? Yeah, it's really funny that you asked that because, yeah, there was choreography and we would learn a routine over like the the eight week course. I think it was eight weeks or six weeks or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, even though it was marketed as a fitness thing and we had to wear runners, um, like there was a lot of gyrating with the pole and <laughs> <laughs> like hair swishing, followed by like, you know, a cardio march around the pole. So it was kind of like, I think she was trying to go for like a cardio workout kind of thing, but wow. also like put it on the pole and with music and with things like hip gyratings and like hip squats that just looked really like okay we have this whole like hashtag not a stripper rhetoric but really we're like being really overtly like uh what's the word like explicit in some of these moves like it's you know putting your crotch up to the pole as quickly as possible this sounds so surreal as well like a kind of hair swishing crotch pumping marching band called a cardio routine in a pole studio it was wild when I think about it (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure it's probably still happening around the world. Maybe some people are still advocating that style, you know, cool. But um, yeah, when I think about it now, it's like, I can't believe we actually did that. <laughs> mm. I feel like what I love about IPDA is the choreography side and the real dancing. How did you go from these pole fitness classes to finding the choreo element? I guess it came from, yeah, my love of performing, which would have been only through competitions, like back in those days. There were no like showcases or places that you could pole dance apart from working in a strip club, which there wasn't any in my hometown. Actually, there was one for like a couple of months during the boom years which would have been around 2005, but it like quickly shut down because again, rural Ireland. But uh, yeah, we don't really have a culture of strip clubs. Like we have them in Ireland, but they're just not as uh, popular probably for many like, you know, Catholic Ireland reasons. Who knows? I'm not really sure, but um, it's not easy to go work in a strip club here. Um, they're not as accessible. So um, I guess around this time, like YouTube was all, also invented in 2006. So we started to see pole dancing on YouTube, like Felix Kane, um, like all of the Australian pole dancers on that Miss Pole Dance Australia competition, which like really kind of raised the bar, I think, and opened our minds to like, oh, like look at them doing like really cool tricks and stuff in heels and on spinning poles and on a big stage. It kind of opened up our little tiny Irish minds of like, you know, hip thrusting to the pole, <laughs> like at the speed of light um, and showed us like what, you know, what pole dancing could be. Um, so, yeah, I guess I had grown up like watching some of those videos for a while and very quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to learn the things I wanted to learn or to get to the place where I wanted to be in my head, which is more like the likes of Felix Kane and whatnot. Um, I just wasn't going to get that in my hometown and in my home studio, like no disrespect. Um, so yeah, I decided that I was going to save up my money and go to Italy because one of the Australian dancers, Amber Ray, had moved to Italy to work in a studio there. Mm. I was like, sweet, hallelujah. One of these Aussie girls that I love and admire is now in Europe and I can get to her. So uh, yeah, I went there and started learning from her and she taught me how to dance in heels Um challenged my you know what's wrong with this whole like yeah like the whole hashtag not a stripper thing she was like I'm a stripper so what like you know let me show you a thing or two and yeah she <laughs> kind of demonstrated like you know here's me dancing in heels here's me doing the same thing without heels and in a pole fitness style which one do you think looks better I was like I think I know which one and she's like which one do you also think is harder it's like, yeah, I think dancing and making things look really fluid is way harder and doing it in heels than marching around lightning speed, fitting as many tricks as you can into a three minute song. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So it was a good like kick up the ass really from like someone who actually knows what being a stripper is all about and somebody who can actually dance really well. And yeah, like somebody who just has like all of the perspective and all of the knowledge that I wanted to have. It's like, okay, right, you know, you're speaking a lot of sense here and it doesn't make sense to, um, yeah, try to distance yourself from the whole, like, strip club route and and all of that. And I think a lot of that came from me as well. Like, I was quite young when I started pole dancing. I was only 19. It was quite, um, how do you say, like, frigid, <laughs> like, personally speaking, and had this idea of, you know, because we have that in Irish culture that, like, if you're sexual or if you're a slut, like, bad things will happen to you 
and yeah like even down to like our constitution our law like women who are wild and sexual you know are basically outcasts and like you know you have at that stage you have to go to England or go abroad if you wanted to get a termination and stuff like that so it was mm. very much seen as women's sexuality bad we don't want anything to do with that bad 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 you're a whore you're a slut um yeah and we're still dealing with our history from like the mother and baby homes as well which is a whole other um yeah kettle of fish of just just women's sexuality is very much demonized and I think I probably grew up yeah like in that culture of seeing that um you know you can choose to be you know sexual and be a slut quote unquote and bad things will happen and you'll get judged and you'll be an outcast if things go terribly wrong or you can be you know a frigid little good girl mm. and like you know be like you know I'm not like other girls and this kind of idea um yeah and like just be a cool girl and be a cool girlfriend so uh yeah which is just a shame really and I think I carried that with me into pole dancing but you went on a spiritual pilgrimage to Italy skipping over the Vatican and ending up in a pole studio with a stripper who showed you the ropes that's so cool how long were you out there for so I would go for like a week at a time because I was broke like this was <laughs> when I was unemployed and I was saving all my money just like exclusively on pole stuff um, <laughs> can hard yeah can relate to this <laughs> yeah I think a lot of us are in that right now as well <laughs> so yeah I was there for like yeah I'd go for like a week at a time and I'd been over and back like a number of times during like 2010 to 2011 before I opened my uh, my business so uh, yeah, I learned a lot in that time of just like deep diving and spending like all my time with Amber and have her teach me one-on-one, which was, yeah, it was great. I credit a lot of that to her. Then I went and learned from Alethea Austin, who later, I think it was 2010, maybe it was a bit later, she released some DVDs of like how to do sexy floor work and sexy pole dancing. Um, and I learned a lot from that too, then made it my business to get to know her and have since learned a lot from her as well when she's been over here and I've gone over there since um yeah so I've just made it my business to get to know really cool people and people who are advocating that style um and yeah just learning as much as I can and being a big old sponge so I can I've absorbed that and I'd like to think that I've kind of put my own stamp on it to a degree as well because I'm also aware of the fact that I'm not a stripper and I've never worked in a club So I can't position myself as somebody who's doing stripper style or, you know, I, yeah, I just feel like that would be inauthentic and just offensive to people who actually work in the industry. So yeah, I've kind of tried to bring a bit of my like art college and all of this other experience that I have from my own life and imbued that with the, uh, the sad or sorry, the sexy dancing, which Mm -hmm. then kind of comes into sexy, sad dancing and storytelling (laughs) and whatnot. (laughs) I like to bring a lot of my actual authentic that sounds so like wanky I like to be authentic on stage (laughs) you know and give them like a great show this is the podcast (laughs) episode for it but I love that we have a sort of alter ego hipster drag character yeah I definitely have this like alter ego who's like you know like just so far up their own hole that like yeah no I can get there But um, yeah, like I always like to bring a really good show and bring like a little bit of me when I'm performing. Like, I think there's very rarely a time when I'm performing and I'm like completely being somebody else or being a different character. I like there always be a bit of me on display. Mm-hmm. I think that's nice and you can pick up like real emotion from a performance. And yeah, sometimes it can be tough if you're like, God, I'm just so emotionally fatigued that I can't, um, yeah, I like, can't believe I have to do this right now. But um, 
that's a good thing about performing too is that it can be a two-way thing and people are generally there because they want to be there and they're supportive so you can kind of have a nice feedback loop of like okay you're giving me some energy and I'm giving you some so we can we can keep this up um mm. but yeah I think I've always I can't think of any performance where I haven't felt good coming off stage if that makes sense mm. um I find it very good for the spirit what excites you the most about watching a pole performance? Mm, yes. Okay. So here's a really pretentious answer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I love seeing people do really cool, like tricks and stuff. Like that's always fun. And I love seeing people dance out like really good technique as well. Um, I'm such a geek when it comes to like stuff like ankle engagement and shoulder engagement. Like I like seeing things being done you know properly as they say Mm. um or with like as much attention to detail as possible with like that but having said that like what really trumps it for me is like is there an actual emotion going into the piece like is the person bringing um like a bit of themselves or are they bringing a bit of genuine um energy to the piece or are they just going through the motions um yeah and oftentimes like people might slip up or that maybe their you know their ankles might not be perfect or their invert might not be super smooth and perfect but it's like I don't care like I'm having so much fun watching this person like bring whatever it is whether it's a happy piece or a sad piece or dramatic or sexy or whatever intention that they're dancing with it's just that there is some kind of intention there and they're enjoying it and they're being true about it and it's not a superficial he's a sad piece so be really sad but it's just <laughs> formative um yeah like that kind of stuff with no disrespect of course because like it's a hard thing to do but uh yeah I like seeing real emotion and I do get bored if there is either like no thought given to the emotion like sometimes that's overlooked and that's fine like some performances or competitions don't have a scoring system for that so I can see why people would not bother (laughs) like Mm. why work on something that you're not getting marked for but um yeah it is nice to see people bring something and create something that is meaningful and has um like a message for the audience or even just it can be something for themselves and you can see like okay this piece means a lot to them and yeah you can just read that energy off somebody straight away I think every single human being can see that difference (laughs) whether you're you know someone who identifies as arty or sporty I think we can all agree that you can just spot straight away when someone is like in the zone um and I think that's really satisfying to watch you've said before on Instagram that there's something that makes a piece into art instead of just a sequence of moves for you what is that magic ingredient yeah I think that would be intention Mm which probably sounds really like witchy and shamanic, which we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like, is the person moving with intention or are they just um, like busting out a combo that they learned in class or that they saw somebody else doing, which, you know, is fine because then it becomes more like a workout kind of a thing or gymnastics-y kind of a thing. But I think that's the difference between like something being art and something maybe not being art is like the purpose and intention of the piece. So yeah, and what is art? Like art can be anything you want it to be. So yeah, bring whatever intention it is, whether it's, I am an egg, (laughs) (laughs) like something really vague and nebulous, or you're like, um, I just want to dance through whatever emotions I've had today. And I want to, you know, 
allow my body to channel that and release it and send it into the ground or whatever, or give it space so that it has room to be expressed in my body. Um, yeah, I think that can be it. Or maybe the intention is, I just want to be really fucking like sexy as fuck when I dance today. Yeah, I think you just see that when somebody has like a reason for their dancing. So the intention doesn't have to be anything to do with the audience. Like the intention could be, I'm going to make people laugh or I'm going to make people cry. For you, the intention can be more internal or introspective. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I think, yeah, like it it can be um, like, yeah, internal or like for oneself or it can be for the audience. Um, I don't think, I think it depends on context. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. Um, but yeah, I think it's important just to have like some sort of an intention. Because mm. even if it is like an internal one, albeit it is more interesting when like the person is thinking about the audience and they're having this like outward, like I want to, you know, reach every person in the room. But it, if it's just for you as well, I think you can still read that and it can still be very meaningful and like intimate or something, if that makes mm. sense. You're like, oh, I'm watching this person express or move through whatever it is that they're expressing and it's like oh I feel kind of privileged to be invited in to watch that thank you slightly voyeuristic that's really cool and so the audience as well could just be you if a person is doing it in a studio completely by themselves with just the mirrors that's as valid as well Mm, I think so yeah it can be an audience of one or it can be yeah as many like a big fucking stage I always find it harder to dance for like a smaller crowd or like one person than I do for like a large room of people and maybe there is something as I'm just talking realizing hmm maybe there is something about that that I you know I want to like connect with all the people and maybe I feel a bit weird at being seen or being like vulnerable with like a smaller audience or something. Mm. I want to ask you about the process of creating your routines because they're so creative and distinctive where do you start when you're thinking of a new piece are they all different? Mm, thank you for that I'm glad that you do think that they're all different I sometimes wonder am I like (laughs) just doing the same thing over and over like oh is this different enough to my last piece because like I always do the same like jade splits and body waves and whatnot (laughs) I have my go-tos but um yeah like where does it start um yeah it can depend I suppose on like sometimes it will be a case of like I'll get an invitation to perform as part of a certain show or I'll see a competition come up or something and I'm like oh cool like I want to apply for that let me see what the rules are and what they're looking for mm. um like that can inform the uh the creative process as to like you know how many polls is there going to be how big is the stage um what what's the show about like what are they looking for and yeah it can start from there but usually it's always the music is what like gets my head going I'm such a music nerd and I'm from like a a musical family as well. So like music is just, it's always been a huge part of my life. Um, So yeah, usually, uh, God, I have like a long list of songs in my head as well. Like that's just been building and building over the years as to like, ooh, someday when I have the right opportunity, I'm going to like dance to that song. And I have this like piece in my head of like what I want to channel for that or like this kind of storyline or this kind of a prop that track list is kind of like a to-do list I see it as a to-do list yeah it's like one day <laughs> when the the show is right <laughs> mm. I'm going to take that idea and like develop it some more into like a, a real life thing and just out of fantasy land mm. yeah I think being an introvert or introvert 
um, <laughs> or having an inverted preference, I do kind of live in this like internal world a lot. And I have all these like dreams and like daydreams in my head of like stuff that I'm creating, but <laughs> most of it never sees the light of day or like might never get created. But I just, I have fun, like just kind of visualize, oh, what would that be like? And here's a cool idea. Is that though a process of almost building up a database of material that then when the right opportunity comes up you've done all this preparation beforehand that you can draw on and fit to whatever the opportunity is yeah thinking back I suppose yeah it has been a bit like that in the past where like you know this opportunity or a show will come up and they're like oh yeah this is the show blah 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 and I'm like oh yes okay so I have this idea that I can yeah Mm. put onto that and it's just kind of like already half formed it doesn't take as much thought to like create something especially for that show perhaps Mm. um yeah so it can become a useful database of like half-baked ideas and it probably would be a good idea to write them down and I'm sure probably like you stand-up comedian folks because you're all like writers like I'm sure you actually like write this stuff down in like notebooks and keep it (laughs) so we probably should do that as dancers and poll people as well like just have some kind of a like database of all of these ideas and hopes and dreams but your database is kind of the song list right <laughs> yeah there is that yeah I suppose so like the Spotify playlist is good but uh yeah I should probably like write down the like the different thoughts I'm having as to like ooh, this emotion and this prop and that mm. so it doesn't take up as much of my uh of my ram <laughs> I don't know how it works in pole world or burlesque world at all with how you'd get invited to do something have you ever found there's a really restrictive brief that you've thought no I just don't want to do something or this is not right for me or have they generally been open so that you can make it your own I find most of them are really open I'm trying to think like has there been any that I've ever like turned down not that I can think of anyways um I find a lot of them are generally open or like you do kind of start to like identify with maybe people who are more like your style or who fit your vibe or your brand oh there's a kind of a a loaded word isn't it (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah I've always noticed that like the people who will invite me to be in their show like they're generally people who know what you're about um and like they want you because of what you do rather than trying to mold you into something else actually I can think of one that I did uh, it didn't end up happening in the end but yeah they wanted me to like do a certain kind of a a burlesque act because oh no because you know it's in this kind of a venue and it's going to be this kind of people and oh no like we don't think like what you normally do would work so can you be somebody else like like yeah cool but why don't you just hire somebody else who does that style rather than getting me who is famous for my style to Mm. like conform to a watered down version so yeah I don't know why I guess maybe people like they have this idea that they want it to be you because like they know you or they've seen you and they don't know other people yet maybe Mm. but yeah it can be a bit frustrating to be like like why are you asking me to do something that you know I specifically am about the opposite yeah yeah just hire somebody else it's it's easy (laughs) I kind of I have so many more questions about the creating of a routine I guess oh I'll ask about one in particular um it was on your Instagram you made a burlesque piece which was about an Irish mythical character I can't remember whether it was on pole um but yeah could you tell me about that one 
Oh, sure. That was the one for, I think it was Pole Theatre USA 2018. Is that the one with the, the unicorn? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Irish unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to apply for Pole Theatre USA because I just had it in my head that I wanted to do a competition that year. And I thought Pole Theatre would be good. And I also had it that I wanted to compete internationally. So I had this kind of like vague nebulous goal of uh, perform or compete internationally Pole theatre is a good competition. I'm going to apply to that one and see do I get accepted. So I thought about going for the comedy one because I just wanted to do something different. So for anyone who doesn't know that pole theatre competition, um, it has like four categories and it was set up with the intention of like just making the pole competition scene a bit more interesting and like less, I guess, maybe concerned about the Olympic element, <laughs> mm. if you want to call it that. So it has like a pole art, um, pole drama, pole classique, and then pole comedy. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'm going to go for comedy. Like I think I do a lot of comedy in burlesque and people seem to like when I do comedy. So I thought, right, I'm going to try on a pole and make it a pole comedy piece. So because it was in America, I really wanted to play the Irish card and like just kind of have a bit of a laugh with it. Because anytime mm -hmm. I go there and like, I love America, like just putting that out there. I, I love you all. I think you're all great. Um, but yeah, there's always this, oh, your accent is so cute. And yeah, there's a lot of tropes. <laughs> so I wanted to play on some of those tropes and stereotypes and especially like with our mythology. So I thought, okay, Americans love unicorns. They love Ireland. I'm going to like be an Irish mythical unicorn um, creature and just make it really gross and weird. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, cool. Did the routine have a storyline or I don't really know what the structure is of a burlesque routine. How does it work? Yeah, so I guess there is like in a good comedy burlesque routine, I think you should have like some sort of a narrative to it. Um, it doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a complete story, but like the more complete it is, I think the better because um, it, it should make sense. Like everything you're doing should have a purpose to it. Um I can't say like being really strict with myself I can't say that everything I did had like a clear purpose <laughs> but uh, I wanted to start like it starts with me on the ground and there's like um I got my sister to make this like kind of really Irishy sounding you know fluty you know like the magical mystical Irish <laughs> unicorn that's all and then like my pony by genuine comes in and I've got like for heels on my hands as well as on my feet so I'm kind of like clopping around like a little oh my god amazing <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I just kind of wanted to play with like you know having like hooves on my hands and just playing ah! with that and then like the music stopped and I'm like I say something like no like I'm you know I'm tired of this I don't want to be like your Irish stereotype anymore and I throw <laughs> off the heels on my hands and like it goes into like some kind of oh yeah it goes into Queens of the Stone Age just because I like the song um and I'm like dancing around the place and then it stops and again I'm like let's just make everything a little bit more Irish so then like <laughs> shipping up to Boston kicks in and then I like pull the flag out of my arse because I want to just notice like oh wait a second there's something up my butthole oh my god <laughs> so I pull this out and like start waving around to like shipping up to Boston because I'm like <laughs> Irish card here and then I do some more pole stuff and then I come off and I take off my bra and I've got like Lucky Charms pasties and I just pour like Lucky Charms all over myself. Um, there was a punchline, but I don't remember what the punchline was. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, oh yeah, they're always after me, Lucky Charms. Like, 
than tassel twirling. <laughs> that music is part of your background. Can we talk more about that? So you're from a musical family. Yeah, I guess it starts at my dad. My dad is a radio presenter and a sound engineer. Um, he basically built like most of the radio stations that are in Ireland today, what? like from pirate radio. Yeah, like he, um, like he builds radio transmitters. Like that's what he is really famous for. So like he, yeah, like built all of these transmitters and like sold them to people around the country so then all these like pirate radio stations started like popping up around the country and then a lot of them then became like proper official radio stations when they I think they changed something in the law like back in the 80s or something um but yeah so that's my dad so he's like a big like music nerd and music fanatic and especially with the like the technical end of things um, my sister is also a sound engineer and she's always been in bands um, like growing up and always playing music. Um, yeah, I was playing bass guitar for like a short time. So I was briefly in my sister's band uh-huh. um, <laughs> back in my like, yeah, like first year of college kind of days. Like we played some really cool gigs like in Whelan's and Eamon Doran's, like really prestigious venues around Dublin just because I was a stand-in bassist for a couple of months. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that was definitely, I think, where, like, I had never been on a stage before, like, playing, uh, like, live rock music gigs. Um, and, yeah, I think that's where my love of, like, I was like, this is really fun. Like, this is class. People are, like, shouting and roaring and loving it. Like, I could get used to this. So I think when pole came along, I was like, yeah, that's where I want to bring that into my pole dancing. And, yeah, I still love it. I love performing to a live audience. I think there's just, yeah, it's a great feeling. And so is that how you met so many musicians? Because it seems like you're so in the middle of the Irish, like alternative music community, indie music, altsy. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that, like I do know a lot of Irish indie bands and musicians because that's kind of the person I am. Like I just insert myself into things. I'm like, oh, you seem cool. I'm going to be your friend now. <laughs> And I think the pole dancing has really helped that. Um, like, especially in my earlier days of pole dancing, like there was this band from Cork I really liked called Exit Pursued by a Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, they're no longer a band, but check them out. They're really good. And I was just feeling really cheeky. I was like, you know what? I'm going to like, you know, hunt them down on Facebook. I like managed to find the singer Tig, who's still my really good friend. And I was like, hey, you know, I really like your music. Um, I'm a pole dancer do you need me to dance in your music video sometime? I think that'd be really cool. And they were like, <laughs> actually, yeah, we have a song that we wrote about a pole dancer. Like, do you want to be in it? What? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just really cheeky. Like, and I'll do stuff like that, or I'll post a video of myself dancing to like a band that I really like and I'll tag them or like, you know, write them a nice message like, Hey, I love your music. And yeah, half the time, the other half the time no one like they just won't respond but then the other half time like hey that's really cool and oh thanks and yeah we'll just start chatting from there and I'll just get to know them and make it my business to get to know people (laughs) I'm really good at networking for someone that's shy I'm actually really good at like getting to know people (laughs) I want to go into the witchy stuff (laughs) 100% yeah we talked about one um we talked about one before 
Ireland is obviously a real part of what you draw on creatively is is my impression in terms of the musicians you work with and the mythology you've also studied Irish shamanism which is amazing that's a whole other episode how have these influences crept into your work and your creative life Mm, yeah oh gosh this is such a big area um yeah so I have studied Irish um Celtic shamanism with the Shlion Cree they're like probably one of the biggest schools of shamanism in Ireland um, I've done a bunch of their um, different spirals and I have a Moon Manoa uh, women's, I can lead women's circles. I've done mm-hmm. their certification as well, which is really fun. So um, yeah, I guess I would identify as someone who's like, I just feel really connected to this land. And I'm just happy that I happen to be born here, like and born Irish, because I just feel like this is my home, mm. not just from like, a, it's where I live, but more just like from a spiritual way. I'm like, yeah, I love this land. Like it just speaks to me on a whole other level um yeah I get so proud of my country when I'm like walking around and seeing all the different like mountains and rivers and things I'm like yeah this is this is my home I love this land um yeah and I think it's something that runs in my family too like there is that in my lineage of like slightly woo or witchy or whatever you want to call it like especially on my dad's side like my um my grandmother like was really in tune with all this stuff um, even though she was a practicing and devout Catholic, which I think that's very common in all Irish families. Like there's a lot of witchiness mm. um, in like Irish culture, but it is kind of just vineyard over with um, Catholicism. I think that is a line from that film, The Field, isn't it? Um, the Catholic priests say something like, oh yeah, Catholicism, it's just a, a thin veneer over paganism. Yeah. It's like, yes, that is Ireland. Like we have so much paganism, like in our culture and in our landscape that like it's just you know I think the Catholics came they're like let's just like reappropriate things Mm. (laughs) it's now Christmas instead of (laughs) you know (laughs) winter solstice (laughs) yeah um Mm. sorry to be a real like basic uh foreigner but so what does the shamanism actually involve like what what goes down in a what goes down when people come to shaman together (laughs) sure yeah so um yeah I think shamanism definitely cannot be reduced to like one single culture I think we have this idea or we've all heard of like North American shamans and like we have these images of like totem poles and rattles and and like that whole like thing that's indigenous to North America um but like I think every culture has some sort of a like a pagan lineage um oh yeah it's quite prevalent in Russia I think shamanism like the word itself comes from Russia and Siberia could be wrong my shaman teachers will possibly kill me if I've gotten that fact wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) just kidding um (laughs) but yeah I guess like what is shamanism it's about working with the land and working with nature and the seasons in particular my favorite thing about it is that it's non-dogmatic it's that you find the answers yourself and you don't expect to be given the answers um and you're working with like energy on like a pure level that sounds so woo but um like when you're working with energy so like what does that mean everything has energy and like that is scientifically proven and even some of the shaman stuff has been proven by science which is kind Mm. of wild and weird like just physics is weird um but yeah it's that like you're just becoming more aware of like your own energy field and the energy field of other people and other things because like everything has an energy field and how are you working with that? Um, so yeah, like I have trained as a shamanic um, 
therapist as they called it so I know how to work with <laughs> it sounds so wild and so weird like I don't really speak about this publicly at all but like yeah I've, I know how to like help people move on maybe energies that they don't want anymore so concepts that I think are familiar to like all pagan um practices like cord cutting um extractions and stuff like that and um, yeah that's what we do as shamans we work with energy on the purest level and we look to nature for guidance and support and uh yeah and we just think about things ourselves and we don't expect to be told <laughs> what to do or like read a book and like know what to do magically thereafter a lot of it is just self-reflection and self-inquiry this is so cool I mean like my mind's just blown and I could ask you a million questions about this for hours I guess to bring it back to pole dancing um do you feel like that practice is integrated into your creativity as a dancer Mm, definitely um yeah and it's so funny I feel really like self-conscious now because I don't really talk publicly about my shamanism and I'm still like uh yeah I think it's because especially in Ireland like there was this culture maybe like 20-ish years ago thereabouts of like um like a new age spirituality and it was all angel cards and love and light and mm. I think shamanism is more about it's a bit about love and life but it's more about like the balance of like the dark and the dirt and rolling around in the dirt and stuff and like that's really fun <laughs> and mm. I really like that part of it and I think I'm just kind of scared of being seen as one of those like love and light people or yeah there's a lot of misconceptions about it and I think that's what I'm kind of like scared for is being judged as one of those um oh what they call like the QAnon people like those kind of like other types of yeah <laughs> like, completely Irish so yeah, there is a bit of like, oh, don't worry, I'm not like, you know, an anti-science person by any means. Um, but yeah, sorry, going back to your question about creativity and pole dancing and, and all of this that I'm doing, I think, yeah, definitely, like I can see it now, now that I've studied and like been with teachers and like have learned to understand what it's about. Like, yeah, I've been doing this from day one, like working with energy and intention of like even just setting an intention before I get on stage and um like working with the energy of the crowd as well and working with my own energy it's like oh yeah like I've been doing this for years like I know exactly like now I know what I'm doing and how to like maybe manage it better and to not uh misuse it perhaps for want of a better word mm -hmm. doing it in a more like healthy way so it's like oh because yeah I think as humans it's something that we all know how to do is work with energy like you don't have to be taught how to like read the energy of a room or read somebody's energy it's something that we just all know how to do and through stuff like body language as well like that informs a lot too as well as that sort of like inner knowing that we all have so yeah I think it's nice to actually have someone like maybe guide you like oh have you considered this and have you considered that and you know here's what's happening when you're doing this thing like here's what's maybe potentially going on that maybe you don't realize that you're doing mm. it's like oh then I just know how to better boundaries around my own energy field um which I think helps me work better with especially when I'm teaching as well like I can just manage my energy and I'm not getting like <laughs> maybe drawn into like yeah woo, like energy vampire kind of stuff mm. as well and I'm able to just create like a, a safer experience for my students as well and keep them like yeah in a place where they're not going to be leaking energy like everywhere <laughs> mm. it's so funny isn't it how like there's so many different languages for expressing similar things like I think part of the maturity as a live performer is learning to 
trust your intuition no matter what it's telling you so for example what you were describing about the sort of energy that exists in a room I've definitely done the thing where um I want to bring some material to a room, for example, and my intuition is telling me it's not going to work. Try something else or like make yourself a bit more vulnerable by doing something that is less prepared, but is right for the room. But my like ego has leapfrogged over that and gone, no, I want to use this and I've prepared this, this, this. And it falls flat because I ignored the instinctive thing. And it almost takes a bit of unlearning of things that feel more... um, I don't know, professional or things that feel a bit more thoughtful to allow that side to speak to you and yeah, like direct you, even if it feels like the nuts option and you're like, oh, but I've got all this stuff about blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah, I had another just quick response of, yeah, as you were saying about the weird slip of, um, I guess like alternative practices or things that have a bit of Venn diagram with spirituality and the QAnon people. It feels like such a trap with everything that's to do with the like witchiness or folklore practices in whatever form of, on the one hand, there's the pull towards white supremacy and lots of really poisonous sort of awful people. Mm. And on the other side, there's like capitalism and the whole wellness industry that will exploit people's vulnerabilities to sell candles which is fine I mean like it's nice to buy a candle right but (laughs) (laughs) sell candles oh gosh yeah ooh zing (laughs) yeah yeah hey no no no. I I I love a candle but yeah I guess kind of distorting Mm. that um that real like emotional work that people are doing with themselves to establish their boundaries and have a practice and like you were describing about feeling that tension between your energy field and how it relates to other people I guess that brings us into just the last couple of things that I want to ask about being an artist for a living as a theme. Pretty much every artist I know in whatever discipline and whatever medium is spinning so many different plates to just make it all come together. Like the shitty jobs that are like, I hate this, but I need the money from that. And then the passion project that might not be making money or making money right now, but is really, really emotionally important. And occasionally those things converging together. In your work as a business owner, as well as a performer and instructor, how do you hold all these things together without losing your mind completely? <laughs> um, just about, really, <laughs> like just by a thread. Um, yeah, it's a really tough one. And gosh, like I wish I had an answer for like that specific question. Because um, I get asked that quite a lot, actually. Like people will write to me on Instagram and be like, oh, you know, like how do you how do you do it and how do you get to this place where like you know you have you're doing something that you really like as a full-time job and um, yeah I suppose for me with pole dancing like I'm really lucky that you can have the option of you can go into teaching and like open a studio and like build a business that way if you want to like turn it into a full-time job you can also like work in strip clubs as well which um again like that's a whole other area which I'm not qualified to speak about because I haven't done it but like I think that those are probably your two ways of earning like some kind of a somewhat stable income. That being said, like neither of them are super stable all the time, mm-hmm. but that's your best chance. Um, so Paul is lucky with that, that there are like perhaps maybe more directly related employment opportunities, if that makes sense. But uh, yeah. And then I know you were asking me before about like commercial stuff, like and doing like commercial jobs, which I haven't really done too many of, thankfully. 
Um, but yeah, I, I guess with folks who are trying to make it work and that they are looking for commercial work in whatever field it is, like, yeah, it's like anything. And I think we're all kind of creatively accepting that we're going to have to do commercial jobs that maybe aren't what we want or what we see ourselves doing, but it's paying. So like, yeah, you got to always have that balance of grand, I'm going to get paid. But at the same time, I think that's where people slip up is that maybe the commercial job is not in line with their core values or with their belief system. So yeah, it's fine to do the stuff that pays but isn't what you want it to be. But as long as you're not like conflicting with your own values and your brand, if you prefer to think of it as that, <laughs> oh, <a> cringy word. <laughs> but yeah, it should align with who you are. Conversely, in a way, um, in either the commercial things that you have done or in the other um, like income generating parts of poll, like running a studio and being a teacher, do you think that being a bit more commercially minded and doing those things can feed back into being an artist in a positive way? Definitely. I think if you can have that like bit of both, so like you're, and that's a really tall or like having your like, yay, I've got my creative brain and woo, I've also got my like left um yeah my left brain like you know logic driven brain as well to help me like get um work done and you know meet opportunities and meet deadlines and all those like really hard human things that are hard mm. to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah so finding that balance is it is tough and but like it can be done I think there are ways around it and that's what like your creative brain is really good for to be like okay this is a creative problem how can I like solve this to like you know make the money and pay the bills and meet all of the commitments and tax returns and all of that bollocks, mm. <laughs> all that wonderful fun stuff that goes with <laughs> running any business. Um, and yeah, like turn it into something that's maybe more fun and creative. And there will be bits of it that you don't like doing that kind of have to get done, like tax returns or whatever. I actually don't mind tax returns. Now I'm getting really sober in my old age I'm like yay tax returns here we go I have all my paperwork all nice and neat I feel happy <laughs> but yeah like is there a way you can bring more joy into that um somehow like if not can you get somebody else to do it I know that's really tough especially when you're starting out like I've been there where you're like I'd love to just pay someone to do this but I can't afford that like is there a way that you can maybe like make that work somehow or like if you're paying somebody else to do it can you use that time to then make more money doing the thing that you do love um this is kind of getting into like really businessy stuff now which I think is a whole other podcast mm -hmm. <laughs> which I could talk at length about but yeah it's like if you can pay someone else to do the stuff you don't like great if not like find a way to like make the income or use the time to do something that's more productive for you while you're paying somebody else or if not like can you bring more joy into doing the things that you don't really love doing um yeah how can you make it more interesting for you because I think that will feed down to your clients as well. Like if you're really loving maybe this boring part of your business that you don't want to do, like maybe it's, you know, it could be anything like, oh, I don't like cleaning my mirrors or I don't like, you know, <laughs> doing warm ups or something or I don't know, like what the thing is, but like just maybe think about that and how can you make it more unique to you and a bit more interesting for yourself. Mm. I guess I was thinking about it also in a craft sense because an equivalent in comedy is a thing that is a lot of people's bread and butter money as a stand-up is doing 
TV warm-up gigs, for example. So you're not oh, featured. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So you're not like featured in the show at any point, but you're the person who does the material to get the audience really engaged and really like lift the energy in the room. And then you disappear and the show starts. But what I've noticed is those comics who've done that work, when a, when they're then gigging and doing their own thing, their technical skill is astonishing because what they've learned through doing mm. those gigs that I'm not going to say that no one wants to do them because people get good at them and it is a skill, but it's not the reason that people start comedy to become the TV warm-up act for somebody else's show. But is there like an equivalent in poll of um for example if you had to do a commercial piece of dancing in a video that's not your style at all does it then pick up skills somehow that mean when you put it back into your own pieces um it's like shot the quality up somehow yeah I think that's a really interesting point and yeah if I think about it I suppose I can relate that back to like I know a lot of people who do poll they might do something like modeling or yeah, I, I do see a lot of modeling and I reckon that probably yes, that if they're doing and yeah, like being more aware of what their bodies are doing, then that definitely will feed back into their polls that they know like how to like, yeah, how to position their bodies and move in such a way that they can command more of the attention and also like maybe, yeah, like channel more through it because they're more used to like using it perhaps. Mm. So I think, yeah, there possibly are like probably modeling. That's one that I would see quite a lot on, on the gram. Mm. But I'm sure there are people who do lots of kind of things. And I think that could be worth exploring. Like, especially, I know we've had this conversation um, separately ourselves about like, okay, well, you're a stand-up comic. So how can you bring like some more of that energy to your pole dancing? And, and obviously that's something that you're doing and you're doing quite well. So oh, yeah, I think there you. probably I'm very are flattered. like, <laughs> yeah, I think you can see like, when you know that the person has a background in something, like, can you bring that, like, is there a transferable skill in whatever it is that you're doing in your life and bring it to the pole? When you might be like, oh, well, fuck you, Arlene. I'm like stocking shells and Aldi. Like, how do I bring that to my pole dancing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying it works for everyone, but um, who knows? There could be like a useful skill there that you can bring to to your dancing or whatever your craft is I would watch a poll routine about stocking shelves in Aldi as like a commentary on late capitalism and I don't know bread I would I would totally watch this (laughs) what would you advise someone who's hit a creative block with their practice in any discipline or lost touch with the passion behind what they do Oh gosh. Oh yeah. It's a big, big question, isn't it? Like, Oh, I think there's so many like ways of doing it as well. That's unique to the person. So like, obviously, yeah, like try what I'm about to say, but like, don't expect it to like cure your, whatever it is you're going through. Mm. Um, I don't think there's a one size fits all approach. And I think we all accept that generally speaking as creative people, um, needs to be said though, but, uh, yeah, I think, for me I find a huge one is like just remembering like why are you doing what you're doing and I know that that's become yeah it's become like almost a bit of a trope in its own way hasn't it with like you know uh isn't it yeah Simon Sinek oh like start with why and know your why and it's kind of become a bit like oh right this sounds really naff now like thanks a bunch dude but, <laughs> <laughs> like other people have been saying this for years and it is about like having that vision as to like okay well why am I doing what my what I'm doing like why did I start and what was the original joy that like brought me to want to to do this thing as a hobby or as a craft or pursuit so um 
yeah maybe write that down somewhere like that would be really good is just like literally write it somewhere and keep it somewhere safe that you can easily get to it Mm. um I find that really helps like just kind of going back to that like okay well why am I actually doing this like what was that um feeling um that I first had like that first love oh yay (laughs) everyone remembers their first love um and yeah I guess for me because music is so important that like seeking out new music and listening to music can really help a lot me to just get my ideas going Mm. um looking at other dancers as well I think there's a lot to be said well in the context of dance anyway but like no matter what your craft is like you should be interested in what other people are doing and like seeking out what your peers are doing or new talent and just like yeah whether that means going to shows or reading books watching stuff like just go do that and like open your mind to like new things um or even go back and watch like maybe older things that maybe historically you haven't seen Mm. um (laughs) go watch Dylan Moran if you don't know who he is for example (laughs) I think it's a good one like what Mm. how have you never heard of Dylan Moran he's one of our national treasures Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like either seek out stuff that you didn't already know of or like look at new things that are coming as well because people will come with new ideas and new ways of upskilling and up or leveling up the industry I think that's really interesting um yeah those would be my main ones like seek out new ideas and watch what other people are doing in your field even in different fields as well because it can get a bit uh I guess all consuming mm. speaking from the context of pole if you're just only watching pole dancing all day you can get a bit like right get a bit overwhelmed now or a bit all pulled out like maybe go watch like I don't know some contemporary dance or another similar movement practice or comedy if that's what you're interested in or like just watch other stuff and other art Mm. and consume it like it's there to like inspire you that's what art should be doing um yeah yeah and also like just go back to your your reason why start with why Woo! (laughs) (laughs) thanks for yeah completely like taking that Simon Sinek (laughs) I'll probably get in trouble now wait till you see I'm sure that it'll give him the prompt for another like eight minute video. So it's only ever transformed into something. (laughs) Why are you being so mean to me? (laughs) Arlene, it is such a delight to talk to you on here, um, but just generally always. Where can people find you on social media or online or in the meat space? Sure. Yeah. And um, thanks so much for having me on. It's great to talk about all things like arty and pretentious. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is my life. I love talking about these things. Um, yeah. So I guess in terms of the internet, like social media, um, oh God, I don't love social media, but you can find me on Instagram. Like I am on there. Um, it's just my name at Arlene Caffrey. I have a arlenecaffrey.backup as well, just in case something crazy happens between uh, now and this podcast being released. You never mm-hmm. know with the, uh, the terms of service um yeah so that's where you can find me on like the socials but the best place to get me would be on my website um I have an arlenecaffrey.com and irishpolancecademy.com is where all the cool stuff is like you know uh, uninhibited and I can post whatever I want on my own website which is really cool so I recommend following me there amazing you heard her follow her and thank you so much for coming on the show Paul the Other One was produced and hosted by me, Shandoxy, with original music by Amelia Baylor. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com shandoxy. You can buy the pot a coffee or give us a shout out on social media. Thank you. That is mega appreciated. Also, 
If any of these conversations inspire you to take a pole class or to get on stage, please tag us in your videos using the handle at PoleTheOtherOne, plus whichever guest it was who got you on the hot rod. That would make our lives. Thanks for listening. Have fun on all your sexy stick adventures and see you later. Pole, 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 the other.